Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Vini Amaga, Vini Caracolea, Vini la pone Valverde, remata gol. Y gol, 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 gol. Y gol, 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 gol. Y gol de Valverde. Gol, 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 gol. Del Madrid. Había que jugar contra Tyson. Que Welcome to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm hosting today with Tom Harris. After another weekend of La Liga action, as always, it was interesting, it was intriguing, it was it was at times thrilling, at times not so much, particularly at the Civitas Metropolitano, which I can uh, vouch for. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, really good. Like you said, we've had some amazing games this weekend, that 6-2 between Girona and Almeria. That's the second time we've seen eight goals scored at Montalivio this season. Looking forward to talking about that. But yeah, really big weekend, you know, at the top and the bottom of La Liga, as it always is, especially as we're approaching this kind of crunch time in the season. So yeah, lots to talk about. Yeah, I've been telling everyone that La Liga is the tightest league in Europe uh, for my money. And not just in terms of points, but in terms of actual teams as well. Uh, Barcelona did maintain their eight-point lead at the top of the table. Barcelona and Elche, the two teams that are uh, really fighting against that narrative. But uh, we'll come on to Barcelona in the second half of the podcast, as we will that fantastic Girona win that you mentioned. We're going to start with Real Madrid, I think, because 2-0 away in Pamplona. This felt pretty significant to me. It seemed like Real Madrid were struggling again, but we saw that kind of classic trait of them being able to overcome adversity, didn't we, Tom? Yeah, I mean, we've had some pretty big wins in Pamplona, actually, this season. Um, Barcelona... You know, really, really dug deep and, and got a big result there. So did Atletico Madrid. And Real Madrid here as well. I mean, Valverde on the 78th minute, you know, to take the lead. And then Asensio with a clincher late on. So it was quite late, the goals. And, you know, Real Madrid had to stick at it. Osasuna had some good chances. I mean, Courtois made a fantastic save to deny Moy Gomez. I mean, it looked like a save at least, but <laughs> quite a bit of an optical illusion whether it hit the post where he saved it. But if he did get a fingertip to it, that is, you know, that is a real, real big save. But yeah, at the moment, it's all that uh, Real Madrid can do, really. You know, they're obviously eight points behind Barcelona. They were hoping for a slip up this weekend, which they didn't get. But I think it was a big result for them in in terms of, you know, they won 4-0 against Elche last weekend. Just get a bit of momentum going, especially with Liverpool coming uh, in the week. We shall come on to that. I wanted to touch just on Betty Valverde himself. Vinicius, of course, was massive in this game as well. He missed a couple of chances. Sergio Herrera made a magnificent one-on-one stop against him. 
Uh, whistled again, as we as we know, I think we, we're just going to have to get used to the fact that he is going to be the pantomime villain at every away ground he goes. He did set up Ferry Valverde for the first goal, the crucial goal, the opening goal. And Ferry Valverde, of course, scored three goals at the Club World Cup. The Uruguayan, for me, was one of two or three of their best players in that first half of the season. If he's kind of back to his goal-scoring form, his difference-making form, what does how does that change the equation for Real Madrid? Oh, it's massive. I mean, obviously, we can see that they've they've dropped off slightly since Fede Valverde hasn't been finding the back of the net. Obviously, that's not his. You know, that's not what he's there for solely. He's there to do a lot more than just score. But when he is striking the ball well, um, you know, we can he he can unlock defenses in a way that Vinicius, you know, he has to dribble through. Kenny Benzema has to get the ball in the box. Fede Valverde can just unlock a defense from anywhere. Um, when he's on his day and you know he had a few attempts again in this game and there was a volley kind of snapshot volley from about 30 yards which just flew wide but yeah that kind of Yagada as well you know arriving into the area as he did for this goal he's, he's a massive player and yeah with Liverpool obviously they got a confidence boosting win themselves on the weekend away at Newcastle so I think this could be a really really interesting game and people like obviously Vinicius was going to steal all the headlines as he always does but Fede Valverde alongside obviously Luka Modric and Dani Ceballos in that midfield. That's you know that will be the big battle, I think. Yeah, no, it, it makes a big difference, especially when we know that Benzema, regardless of if he plays at Liverpool or not, he's not quite one hundred percent right now uh, and, and can't be that sharp. Coming on to that Liverpool tie, you, which you mentioned, it, it is a big tie, but it's sort of two teams that kind of have a, just trying to get right in in the sense that, as you say, the momentum boosting wins. Looking at the midfield, obviously Chouameni dropped out of the Osasuna game at the last minute. Kamavinga played. We've had kind of Kroos and Modric being rotated in and out. Ceballos has been arguably the best of the lot. Who do you kind of see starting on, on Tuesday night? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I think um, Kamavinga did well in the middle here um, at El Sadar. I mean, obviously he's been playing left back um, recently and he's been very good there as well. But I think perhaps he deserves another shot in the centre of midfield because I think he played very well. Like you just said, Danny Ceballos. I mean, who would have thought at the start of the season that we'd be talking about Danny Ceballos as one of Real Madrid's most consistent midfielders, but that's exactly what he has been. And he does offer something different in in that in the centre of the pitch as well. Yeah, I mean, like I just said, it is going to be about that midfield and just for Real Madrid as well. I think they've got to keep ticking over because as we were alluding to, this kind of fixture list that's building up for them, they've got Anfield on Tuesday. Then they've got Atletico Madrid in La Liga the weekend afterwards, then Barcelona in the Copa del Rey semi-finals, then Real Betis away, then Liverpool again, then Barcelona in La Liga. It is an absolutely brutal fixture, fixture list. And Carlo Ancelotti will be looking to keep rotating that midfield, keep it fresh and, you know, his judgment is is as good as any when it comes to this kind of situation because he's been there and done it multiple times. Yeah, no, it's going to be fascinating to see how Ancelotti manages it, manages the minutes and keeps them in PD winning at the same time. We'll move on from Real Madrid now uh, and shout out to Osasuna, I should say, before we before we do so because they really kind of took the game to Real Madrid and caused them a lot of problems for, for 70, 80 minutes and it was only once that breakthrough happened that Real Madrid were, were kind of a bit more comfortable. Yeah, moving on to the bottom of the table, and it was a, a massive, massive game in the end. I mean, on paper, it kind of looks like a simple win for Espanyol away at Elche. But this was a really tight game. There was there was a sending off for uh, for Elche. There was Carmona, the, the old Sevilla defender, uh, got sent off in the kind of closing stages. And 92nd minute, Captain Fantastic, Sergi there 
thumps one into the top corner, kisses the captain's armband, sends the Espanol fans wild. It was probably maybe their best moment of the season. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it was a brilliant goal as well from down there. He's probably, you know, one of the most technically gifted players in that squad. And, you know, he doesn't always come up with the, with the big moments in front of goal, but that was probably one of the biggest in his Espanol career. And and just talking about how big that game is, like you say, they were on 21 points before this weekend. Now they're on 24 and, and they've rocketed up to 13th place. You know, that's how tight it is at the bottom of La Liga at the moment. So really, really exciting. I mean, you were talking about Elche as well. They have a discipline problem more than anything else because Jose Angel Carmona sent off again. That's 12 yellow cards in 14 starts for him this season, which is far too many. Eight red cards already in this season for Elche. It's basically one every three games. And we've spoken about how they're getting red cards early on in, in games, which is, which is you know, putting them on the back foot straight away. And this red card here, it was a bit later on, but it was... You know, probably the catalyst for Espanyol's mini comeback at the end and, and ultimately the winner. So if they weren't relegated before this weekend, they, they probably are now because that is a real sucker punch for them. But yeah, massive for Espanyol to to just just kind of put a little bit of distance between them and the bottom three. But as we said, it's it's not a lot of distance because there are about eight teams in, in that fight, really. Yeah, huge for Los Pericos. And as you say, Garmona, that red card... Dardair kind of turns away from his midfielder, turns into space, striker takes the runner away, uh, the defender away. And because they're now playing four at the back instead of five, there is that extra bit of room for him to get shot off. So, so yeah, very well pointed out. Um, we're going to move on to the rest of the games from Sunday, starting in Madrid. Uh, we, we saw Atleti get a 1-0 win over Athletic. This was not a game of of many chances, but Antoine Griezmann took the all-important one. Took it very well, to be honest, as well. I mean, I thought when I was watching it live, as I felt the he was shooting a bit too early, as if he could have carried it on into the box a bit more, but he finished it really, really well, a really crisp finish kind of into the bottom corner. So, yeah, absolutely massive for Atletico Madrid. And they're on a little mini revival at the moment. I think I think that's three wins in a row now, and they're kind of consolidating that, um, you know, their position in the top four, which is which is always good for them. And it does feel like there's a bit more of a you know singular singularity of thought now for Atletico Madrid. They know what they want. They just have to keep winning. They're they're not in Champions League. They're not in the Copa del Rey. That João Felix is gone for the rest of the season. I don't want to make it all about him, but I do think <laughs> it does take the pressure off that that debate isn't you know going on every week between Diego Simeone and João Felix. The whole team, Atletico Madrid, Diego Simeone, the fans can focus on winning games. And I, I think we are seeing a bit more of a together Atletico Madrid at the moment. And yeah, like you say, all they can do is carry on winning and just consolidate that top four and get something out of this season at least. Yeah, I'll be honest. I do think there's a there's still things to sort out for that, Leti. I think they, they, they're a frustrating team to watch and you can kind of see that a bit at the Metropolitano on, on, on Sunday evening. I think the one thing that is important, and sometimes we forget this, is that sometimes you need to win to build that kind of solidarity and the solidity first, because we look at Barcelona for ages, we were saying, yeah, okay, their defence isn't very good, but Ter Stegen's been saving them and, and they've been getting clean sheets. And now we look at them, 17 clean sheets out of 22 games, and the, fit, the defenders have got fit again, but overall they look like a more confident team in defence. And so if you can put together those runs, it does make a massive difference. Um, it moves them within two points over Real Sociedad in third place, so that's significant as well. Keeps the gap to Real Betis. Um, Athletic Club, just a, a quick word on them. Oyan Sunset's a wonderful player, but there there wasn't much else today. 
again, is, is there anything Valverde can do differently in your view? It's a very difficult one because obviously we know with with Ernesto Valverde there's a limited squad and there's limited options in the transfer window. Obviously, some teams have strengthened and Athletic Club aren't really able to do that. I think the key is, like you just mentioned, to get Oyen Sanchez as involved as possible because he holds the key and he was quite unlucky not to get anything out of this game, I thought. Ikemuni Ayin as well, we know what a great player he is. I think we just have to keep going and, you know, Ernesto Valverde has been on good runs with this side, Athletic Club this season. This is a little bit of a blip. And, you know, really at the start of the season, if you would have asked them what they would have been happy with, they would have been happy chasing this kind of top six Conference League, Europa League spot. That's what they're doing. So for me, they're doing all right. But yeah, I do agree. There's just something missing at the moment. And, you know, when, you know, the likes of Nico and well, I mean, Nico was absolutely shut down at the Metropolitano. We have to mention that as well. Uh, Reynaldo was unbelievable against him. So you know, a difficult game for them, but I think they'll, they'll come back because Ernesto Valverde is always evolving and he's a very confident front-footed manager and Athletic Club aren't going to sit around and wait for the luck to come to them. They're going to really, really hunt to find it and, and get back to their best form. Yeah, Nico, one of the most kind of uncontrollable players of the season, but uh, yeah, Reynaldo had him in a straitjacket. He, he did not give him a single inch to the point where Valverde moved him over to the other side um, and put Purignaki up against him, who again... Didn't, didn't barely got a kick against them. So, uh, so yeah, significant there. Um, quick word to Vallecas. 1-1 against Sevilla. Sevilla came off that kind of uh, pretty impressive 3-0 win over PSV in the Europa League. They went ahead in this game through a deflected shot, which comically, during the actual coverage, you can hear, before the ball's even gone in, you can hear it kind of bouncing in and somebody in the background going, oh, no. <laughs> and you can you can hear the anguish uh, at Vallecas. But then they did get... <laughs> back on level terms um, and managed to, to eke out a point but not much between these two teams pretty tight game here yeah and I think that speaks volumes actually of Sevilla's improvement in recent weeks as well because you know a couple of weeks ago they would have been heading to Vallecas I think that they would have they would have had a chance um, and they were fortunate that they got the deflected goal but I think they they competed quite well and, you know, they, they look, obviously, Sam Bowley is, is found it very difficult to get in and get his ideas across. We know he's a kind of high pressing, high intensity manager. He struggled a little bit with that. I think particularly in the midfield, he's not quite been able to get that midfield kind of chomping at the bit as he likes them to. But Pape Gay, the, the new signing who's come in, has been absolutely phenomenal in that midfield. And I think he's, he's kind of almost done it all by himself, just kind of really getting, you know, that midfield battle under control and just charging into challenges. He was absolutely excellent today and I think he is going to make a big difference between now and the end of the season and we've been saying that Sevilla are in this relegation battle and that they shouldn't be. I think they're out of it now just because they've got a player in the middle who can command the midfield and they've got the, the quality of players like Yusuf Enesiri who's finding his feet again, like Suso, like Lucas Ocampos who was excellent against uh, PSV in the week. I think they're safe. Yeah, no, it's, it's significant to say that, given how, how poor they were in the first half of the season. We're going to wrap up part one just here, and we'll come on to Barcelona. As I was saying, we'll come on to Girona, um, uh, a less than good result for, for Tom's own Villarreal, which we'll also uh, break down in, in maybe less detail just to spare him. But uh, don't go anywhere, because we'll be back in just a second.
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com wow nice yeah what you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's part two. It's Rudy Barlow, Tom Harris here. We promised Barcelona carry talk, but we're going to do our best here because this was not a particularly standout game, to say the very least, because not a great deal happened. Barcelona got leads just before halftime. Robert Lewandowski got on the score sheet again after Sergio Roberto converted his saved rebound effort off the line. This was a game in which, yeah, Barcelona got through it. They maintained their lead at the top of the table. 17 clean sheets out of 22. That beats Deportivo La Coruña's record. Just three points and Pacasa, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, not a standout game, but you, we have to point out that Barcelona have actually struggled against Cadiz since they've been you know, back in La Liga. I think they've only won one out of their five attempts against Cadiz before today, and obviously now they've made that two, so... Psychologically, I think that's a little bit of a boost for Barcelona, even though Cadiz obviously aren't up there fighting for the title alongside them. Also, good to see Sergio Roberto play well, especially you know with the with the news that you know perhaps Pedri, Busquets, and Gavi are all out for that second leg uh, against Manchester United. Roberto came into the midfield; he played really, really well—a goal and an assist. And Ferran Torres as well is a big plus, as you mentioned, because he, he was just unbelievable. I mean, I think he was the first player with 10-plus successful dribbles in La Liga this season. Um, and that assist for Sergio Roberto's goal was absolutely out of this world. So, yeah, like you say, not a massive standout game, but a few nice kind of individual positives to take from it. Yeah, a few cameos to say at least. Ferran Torres um, was, the, was the one side of the coin, in fact, that he really impressed. Ansu Fati, not so much. Another meh game from him, which is uh, frustrating. And you saw him kind of thump in the seat in front of him after he'd come off. Uh, but yeah, Robert Lewandowski scored again, which is kind of important for them, especially going to, into that United game. Busquets was on the bench for this game. 
but didn't make it on. So we are kind of unsure of his state of fitness ahead of that Manchester United tie. You'd have to think probably does make it, but um, a quick word on that. They'll, they'll get into this on the Wednesday podcast, I am sure, or the Thursday podcast. But uh, yeah, a quick word on how you see them going to Old Trafford, given given kind of yeah. They, I I wasn't particularly convinced in the first leg. I thought that they were. They, ha- they had a lot of chances in that second half, but they weren't convincing in terms of their play between the boxes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was convinced that Barcelona would win at Camp Nou and the fact that they were pegged back and, you know, couldn't ultimately kind of stretch away from United is is worrying for them. And I think without Busquets, Gavi and Pedri, obviously we've talked a lot about this box midfield that they like to play and how well they can build up. I think losing those three players is, is a massive loss to yeah Barcelona's progression and how they build up through the middle of the park. Um, it'll be a tough game. Obviously, United again with another win this weekend. Marcus Rashford again scoring and Barcelona have already seen what he can do. It'll be tough, but, you know, Barcelona have... You know, as we were saying at the start of the show, pulled off some good results away from home this season. They've been generally very, very strong. They've got some great players in that team, so anything can happen. But I think it is just advantage United at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I think they need Lewandowski to be at his best. So it'll be interesting to see, given that kind of lack of midfielders, if he does go for Fred Antares, perhaps um, as a return to a front three, although I tend to think he'll stick to the four, to be perfectly honest. Maybe even with Sergio Roberto in there. Moving on to another massive win in Catalonia, which was Girona 6-2 over Almeria. Tati Castellanos, Victor Sigankov got his first Girona goal. Roro Requelme, Javier Hernandez, Ivan Martin and Kristen Stuani were all on the score sheet against the Almeria side that had Bilal uh, Toure and, and Largi Damasani scored for them. But yeah, they really... These two have had a bit of a bit of beef between the two of them um, in recent years, especially in the kind of Segunda ties. But Girona really gave it to him this game. Yeah, it was an incredible, incredible game. I mean, Sigankov, I, I can't really get over how good a signing that is. I mean, five million euros, the reported fee. He's got 94 goals and 64 assists in Ukraine. Every time, obviously, I've, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've watched the Ukrainian League week in, week out, but every time I've seen him for Dinamo Kiev in, in the Champions League and for Ukraine, he's always been kind of one of the standout players. And for Girona to get him, it is such a, a really big boost. And he looked fantastic. That assist that he got, the kind of back heel, Gucci style, as, as Matt Clark, I think, said in the, uh, in the group chat. Yeah, they, they, they look really, really good. And the fact that they had six different goal scorers proves that there are goals in this team from lots of different places. Ivan Martin has quite a couple of goals now throughout the season. He's not someone you kind of would associate with, you know, being a great goal scorer. Obviously, Dati Castellanos, Christian Stuani off the bench. Really, really exciting. But yeah, from Almeria's point of view, we have to mention this kind of difference between their home form and their away form because at the Powerhorse Stadium, they have six wins, 19 points and a plus six goal difference. Away from home, they have zero wins and three points with a minus 17 goal difference. So it's an incredible contrast in fortunes. And if Amaria are going to kind of stave off his relegation fight, they, they have to start winning away. Yeah, 100%. I think it, I want to say it's 81% of their points have come at the Powerhorse Stadium, which it's is incredible. pretty remarkable um, and pretty ridiculous in some senses. But, but yeah, on that attacking kind of threat that you don't have, as you were saying, I think this is now the they're the third highest scoring team in La Liga. I honestly I look at the Girona bench, knowing how Girona play and knowing how they attack, I have more faith in their attacking options coming off the bench than I do at Leti. I mean, 
I'd more faith in Roro Requelme or, or Stuari in getting a goal than I do than I do Morata or, or even Memphis at this point, which is absolutely to their testament and so it shows you just how good they have been. And Girona, really high, sort of they're on that kind of cusp at the top of the second, the bottom half of the table, sorry, where there's kind of a there's a wee bit of a gap just to, uh, between them and Osasuna. There's three points, um, but yeah. Leading Sevilla, Espanyol, they have now a six, seven point gap to Valencia in 18th. Uh, obviously, that can change with Valencia having a game in hand, but a terrific job that Michel is doing there so far, at least. Now, moving on, Villarreal lost 4 2 to Mallorca. Manu Trigueros sent off in the 21st minute right after conceding. Tom, this was, if previous Villarreal losses have been frustrating, this you must have been tearing your head out at this one. Oh, yeah, very, very annoying and absolutely no need for Trigueros to get sent off the way he did because it was it was so avoidable and just no need to swing a fist as he did. Um, yeah, really reacted badly to that one. But I mean, I was saying a couple of weeks ago that before that LG game that obviously Villarreal went to loss, went went on to lose, they had the chance to draw level on points with Atletico Madrid in fourth if they would have beaten LG, who, by the way, hadn't won a game in, in their first 19 games. They lost to Elche, which is unbelievable in and of itself. They've lost a few games since then, and now they're 10 points off Atletico Madrid. So within the space of two to three weeks, their season, in terms of chasing that Champions League spot, has, has absolutely flipped on its head. And it's really, really frustrating because, yeah, teams like Elche, they should absolutely be beating, no problem. Mallorca, obviously a very difficult place to go, and they're having a fantastic season of their own, but just very avoidable. And if Manu Tudegueda could have stayed on the pitch, who, kn- who knows what could have happened? So... Yeah, really frustrating. They're 10 points off the top four now and Villarreal shouldn't have to settle for the Conference League. Um, but it seems like they're going to have to, you know, settle for trying to get into that competition again. But but they're, they're better than that. Yeah, as you say, yeah, Mallorca are on a good run at home. I think they've won every home game since we came back from the World Cup. So that goes to show you what a difficult place it is to go. And obviously Real Madrid lost there. So, but the the fashion of it, as you say, that actually game almost seems like it could be a turning point in the wrong direction for Villarreal. We, I mean, we talk about sort of yeah, momentum building wins and, and getting back on track, but Manu Trigueros in particular, I think that's the most worrying thing for me is because he's an experienced player, a leader, he captains the side sometimes. He's the guy that you expect to bring the discipline and the composure to the side. So see him lashing out like that does not bode well for Kike Setien and... There's uh, definitely work to do on on that end. Uh, They did not lose ground on Real Sociedad, at least, because, well, they lost just a point to Real Sociedad, who took just a point against Celta Vigo. They were leading right up until the 93rd minute when Robin Lemelman's own goal equalised Oyarzabal's early effort, despite the fact that Renato Tapia had been sent off. But Celta Vigo are really kind of making strides here. They seem like they've turned the corner, even though they got beaten by Atleti last weekend. Yeah, I mean, just delving into the stats with Celta Vigo, ever since uh, Carlos Cavalial uh, took over from Eduardo Cudet, so they were conceding on average around 1.5 XG per game. Now that's down to around 0.94. So that's a real big drop off when you consider that's a, on a per game basis. And most of the kind of chances they conceded came against Real Betis. They conceded 3.6 XG against Real Betis and they won that game by four goals to three anyway. So yeah, some really, really big results. They look a lot more solid. 
And I really like Celtic's attacking options as well. I've been saying this throughout the season, but particularly now when Strand Larsson is starting to perform a little bit, Seferovic has come in and he's he's looked pretty good as well alongside Iago Aspas. I think they're a really, really solid team and Real Sociedad will be disappointed with this one. I think I think they're missing David Silva. Um, Real Sociedad always have a, a long injury list, but David Silva just, he has brings that control to that kind of diamond midfield and... While Takekubo played very well, he you know he he is a bit frantic at times. He missed that big chance, and you know you could see him in tears at the end of the game. So, yeah, they're missing a bit of a calm head, I think, in that midfield at the moment. But yeah, like you say, they've built up a bit of a lead over teams like Real Betis and Villarreal, and they have a bit more consistency than those two teams. So I think they'll be good enough to hold off that fourth spot. But a bit of a worrying result here. Yeah, frustrating because Takekubo, he said it against Real Madrid a few weeks ago that the difference he needs to make, the improvement that he wants to make is to put those chances away and score those goals because he does make the chances. He creates the chances and gets the chances uh, very well. It's just a case of, of putting them away. Moving on to the final game, Betis beat via the lead 2-1 in a, in a pretty decent game as well. This wasn't comfortable for Betis by by any means, and they got the win. Juan Mee scored after two minutes. Kyle Lahren, the unstoppable Kyle Lahren, the Canadian Ronaldo, um, Sergio Canales then got the winner with a penalty just at the end of the first half. But, but Vaya did hit the bar in the second half as well and, and had chances. Yeah, I really like both these teams. I think Valladolid are a very competitive side and a difficult game for anyone in La Liga. A testament again to what Pacheta does and the kind of courage that he whips up in this side. That they're not afraid of anyone. But I think this was really important for Betis just because, you know, that they've won two games in a row now. Um, after this period where they lost five in, in the space of three weeks, basically, in, in multiple competitions, they were in a real rut. So just to get two wins on the board is big. They travel away to Elche next weekend, and we just talked about Villarreal unable to win there. But if Real Betis can go and beat a kind of hapless Elche, they'll have three wins in a row, and they'll be feeling a lot better about themselves. Um, but yeah, Sergio Canales was excellent. His his assist for the first goal was was unbelievable. Um, one of my favourite players in La Liga, one of many people's favourite players in La Liga, just because of how effortless he makes the game look. But yeah, good result for Real Betis in the end. Valladolid, no pushovers, and I think they'll be happy just to get back on the, on the winning trail. Yeah, Atleti obviously playing Real Madrid next, and then Betis play Real Madrid the week after. So if Betis can better Atleti's result against Real Madrid, they'll be right in the, the Champions League race again if they, they do beat Elche. Um, big ask, that is, it should be said, but... Um, but yeah, important and and again another wee just point for uh, to to talk about Juan Me, the fact that that run was there for Canales, the fact that he was able to play it in behind is significant because although Borja Iglesias does run in behind at times, Luis Enrique, Nabil Fekir, Rodri, Aitor Rui Bal even at times, those aren't players that run in behind and it really kind of congeals the offense for offense the um, the attack for. For Betis at times, but but yeah, important three points there. That kind of brings us to the end of the roundup of the games. Just a very quick word because most people might not even be able to listen to this before the uh, before the game kicks off. But Hitafe Valencia Monday night at the Coliseum. It doesn't get bigger. It's 19th against 18th. Kike uh, Sanchez Flores said before this game that he's he feels like he's been. Um, playing for his skin, kind of playing for his future for the last few weeks. So uh, so this is massive, isn't it, Tom? Absolutely huge. I mean, when you say Getafe Valencia, I kind of think board last derby. It's kind of <laughs> still the remnants of Jose Bordo the last kind of running between these two sides. And I think 
given the stature of a game and given what's online for both sides, I think we'll see a bit of board last ball, even though he's not there. Um, yeah, absolutely huge. Hitafe have been really poor recently, but uh, Enes Unal is, is still there and is still capable of, of the spectacular as we've seen a couple of times this season. Valencia, you know, they do have some good talented players. Samuelino, we've been talking about a lot. Um, and they do play some good football at times, but they're just not consistent enough. I think it'll be a really, really kind of meaty battle and and no love lost between these two sides at all. I mean, the last La Liga game I was actually fortunate enough to go to in Spain was between these two sides. And it was when um, Hugo Guillemot was sent off after 18 seconds. So, <laughs> yeah, there's there's history of, of, of feisty battles between these two teams. And I think we'll see another one here for sure. Fantastic, yeah, and Bordelas may well be back in the Hitafe dugout if Hitafe do lose this. Um, that's, that's one to keep an eye on. But we will wrap things up there. I just want to come to you, Tom. Do you have a highlight from this weekend? I think I will go with okay, with Antoine Griezmann because it was a hell of a goal when you saw him revving up the crowd afterwards, and he's just he's their best player by some distance, along with Reynaldo for my money. But anything that stood out for you this weekend, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it would probably have to be, I mentioned it before, that Sigankov back heel assist in that Girona game. I thought it was just absolutely brilliant and it was really nice to see a player come in from, you know, relatively unknown league and really prove the quality that he has. And I think he's going to be a really good addition for Girona going forward. Yeah, looking forward to watching him and the rest of the Girona attack going forward. But yes, we will wrap things up there. Enjoy the Hitafe Valencia, and then if you still have room in your kind of football appetite, then go and watch Real Madrid Liverpool on Tuesday night as well. But until till then, we'll be back on Thursday to review that and to preview Barcelona and Manchester United. But we will leave you with Sigankov. Aquí lo pueda tener en la memoria, no igual. Pero semejante a la de Guti en Riazor. No, no, me niego, me niego, me niego, me niego. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 